Chapter 19. Full Hands Harold was seated on the rostrum of a church in Sydney prior to preaching. As the deacon came onto the rostrum to collect the offering from the members of the platform party, he passed a note to Harold. The note was from Sister C.E. Mitchell. She requested that Harold see her after the service. This Harold did. She explained her predicament to Harold. Recently I had an operation for abdominal cancer and the surgeon found that the cancer was inoperable. My husband is badly needed in New Guinea, but my situation will keep him from his work there. When I saw you here this morning, I felt that I should ask you to anoint me and pray for my healing. Harold agreed to the request and asked the elders of the church to join him. They prayed and anointed her in harmony with the biblical injunction. Immediately, Sister Mitchell felt healed. Subsequent x-rays revealed no evidence of cancer. Sister Mitchell returned to Papua New Guinea where she supported her husband in his missionary work. This work, along with the work of other Seventh-day Adventist missionaries, was to have an important impact on the lives of many Australian soldiers who were wounded or who became ill on the Kokoda track while beating back the Japanese invasion force. Many of the Fuzzy Wuzzy Angels who helped evacuate the wounded or ill Australians on the Kokoda track were Seventh-day Adventists or had been influenced by Adventist missions. Their tender care of the wounded and ill saved the lives of many Australian soldiers. The mission stations along the Kokoda track had encouraged selfless service as a divine obligation and the result was often the legendary work of the Fuzzy Wuzzy Angels. During the evacuation, the native church members did what they could to maintain the mission stations and welcomed the missionaries back after the defeat of the Japanese in Papua New Guinea. Pastor Mitchell was proud of the work of the native members. When Sister Mitchell returned to New Guinea after the evacuation, Raymond was visiting the mission at Biziatabu where Pastor Mitchell was stationed. Biziatabu was just off the Kokoda track, about 20 miles north of Port Moresby. After greeting Raymond, he said, I want you to meet my wife. Raymond was introduced to Sister Mitchell. She was a picture of health with pink cheeks. In 1944, the Sydney Advent Radio Church was absorbed into the Advent Radio Church network conducted by Pastor Elsie Naden. From small beginnings in Sydney in 1935, the programs were carried on 36 stations on the East Coast alone. Harold's work continued to expand in Sydney. The Bible Correspondence Course, operated through a section of the Radio Church, generated significant interest. Although he was now 66 and past normal retiring age, Harold continued full-time ministry, although he was supported by Sustentation, his church pension. In February 1944, Harold was asked to continue following up interests in Sydney generated by the Advent Radio Church. That month, Harold reported that seven people had begun observing the Sabbath since the beginning of the new year. On March 25, 1944, Harold baptised six people in the North Sydney Church. A couple were to have been baptised but were called away by a death in the family. A year later, after Pastor Naden had given a solemn exposition of the unpardonable sin, Harold was visiting a large public hospital in Sydney. One of the patients beckoned him. Harold recognised the man as a former church member whose Christian experience had grown cold. This man listened to Pastor Naden's sermon the Sunday night before and felt it was God's alarm signal for him. He promised that if God would restore his health, he would worship on the Sabbath again. In his enthusiasm, he talked to the man in the next bed who, with his wife, embraced the Adventist message. 
Pastor Naden received two anonymous messages from listeners who responded to the sermon and as a result changed the direction of their lives. One of these wrote, Thank you for the warning that came just in time. It was a God-sent message to me, and I feel it was God's final warning. By the grace of God, I'm turning from my sin. I never got such a warning before, and it's made me realize how far I had sunk. I praise God for the warning. Thus, at least five people turned away from their sins as a result of this one sermon. Harold's personal experience of the effects of this one radio sermon encouraged him greatly. He enjoyed participating in the prayer group that responded to listeners' requests for prayer. This simple expression of faith came from a boy of 12. Thank you for praying for rain, as my auntie's tanks are full. I'm also enclosing the card for my grandmother. She is better. Thank you. The work of the Advent Radio Church was expanding and its influence was felt in unlikely places. A Melbourne businessman contacted Pastor H.E. Piper as he was preparing to move to Sydney. This man told Pastor Piper that he had listened to the radio church since Pastor Sibley was the radio speaker for the church in Melbourne. He was amazed to discover that Adventists were operating over 11 stations in Victoria and said it was his desire to help this work. He reached for his checkbook and handed Pastor Piper a cheque for £300. The wars in Europe and the Pacific drew to a close. On September 3, 1945, the Australasian record carried Harold's report entitled Follow-up Work in Sydney Suburbs. It reveals something of the breadth of Harold's pastoral work and the way in which God uses his people to reach others with the Adventist message. The report is reproduced below. Since I have been in this work, I have realized more than ever how little we know to whom God will give credit for souls won to him when so many have a share in the work. Personally, I believe that the Issa Charles in the church will come in for a big share. At the time of writing, I have in mind an aged sister of the Wurunga church, Sister Swannell by name. This dear sister, bordering on 80, has for some time been visiting a convalescent home on the North Shore line doing what she could to cheer and comfort the aged and infirm patients. A few months ago, she asked if I could spare the time to give some studies to a patient who had already decided to keep God's holy rest day. Since we've been engaged in these studies, another dear soul has responded. During this time, Sister Swinnell entered another ward, and I'm confident more fruit is developing there as a result of such labour of love. Another case is that of a physically sick sister from Curry Curry near Newcastle, New South Wales, who through her persistent entreaties enabled me to enter a home and give studies where a short time before I had been put off. Now all in the home, mother, son and daughter are regularly attending Sabbath services. When rewards are given out there will be some big surprises. Jewels will shine on many a crown possessed by those who receive little credit here. Coming to radio interests, I should like to say that since the Bible Correspondence course has been adopted, the follow-up work has been much more profitable as far as souls are concerned. The prospect of finishing the work in this generation could be more readily accepted as we see the effects of our radio and Bible course efforts. A short time ago, a lady wrote to our radio office asking us to pray for her in her sad bereavement. Word had just come that her son had been killed in action. Our sympathy was conveyed by a personal visit and arrangements were made for studies. After giving her a study one day, she burst into tears. On inquiring the reason, she said, 
I cannot express in words my deep appreciation of the blessing I have received from the radio addresses and the studies. They have changed my whole outlook on life. I want you to accept this small token of my gratitude toward the radio work. The small token was five pounds, five shillings. The radio is reaching many such homes where there are trouble and sorrow. They could bear a similar testimony to the one just quoted. A lady wrote in from Narrabeen, a northern Sydney suburb, after studying her 16th Bible lesson. She said, I have brought up my family carefully, instructing them in proper Sunday observance, even requesting my friends not to visit me on that day, believing, of course, that it was the Sabbath of the Bible. Imagine my surprise in learning about the true Sabbath. However, I must do my best to make amends and shall from now keep the Sabbath of the commandment. This lady had been visited and we are studying in her home. Her husband has taken his stand also and both are preparing for baptism. From Macquarie Fields, a lady wrote to say that while she would like to have more truth, she was not well educated and had no Bible. On visiting her, we were able to arrange studies. She now has a Bible, is enjoying the readings and has made her decision to obey all God's commandments. A young man not 17 years of age who listens in and is taking the Bible course sent a letter asking some questions regarding his studies. Answers were given in a personal visit. He is now attending one of our churches every Sabbath. This young man is employed in a city publishing house and has an ambition to be a journalist. He is shaping well too, for he has already contributed articles to some local papers on evolution and Daniel too. I could continue writing and citing similar cases, but shall leave the rest for a later report. I am very much enjoying my work. My hands are full just now, and some cases on my list are most interesting. For the success that has been achieved, we give our God all the praise. I am confident that greater results will yet be seen as we draw nearer to God and receive a fuller measure of His Holy Spirit. Harold's work with the Radio Church continued. On September 21, 1946, Harold and Pastor R.C. Piper represented the Radio Church at a large baptism at Waitara Church, Sydney. Three of the 18 candidates, most of whom were young people, were prepared by the ministry of the Radio Church one was a medical student, another a nurse, and the third was preparing to enter Avondale College as a student. Harold also continued hospital visitations. Harold turned 70 in December 1947, but continued his ministry in Sydney. Yet it was only several months into 1948 that Harold realised that his health was no longer able to sustain full-time ministry, and he decided that it was time to retire. Harold and Anne moved to Dora Creek near Coorumbong, New South Wales. On September 21, 1948, a piece appeared in the Australasian record entitled 50 Years of Joyous Service. The Apostle Paul was fond of describing himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, observed one writer. And a bondservant was one who had no other ambition than to do his master's will. He did not divide the hours between the time spent in work and time used for himself. He did not watch a dial and count the overtime. All the hours of the day were given to his Lord. There are those who still have no other ambition than to do the will of the Lord Jesus, and one of these, Pastor H.C. Harker, has recently retired because of diminished health. 
all who have learned to know him through his long and loving ministry will agree that his enthusiasm in the king's business was vitalizing and infectious. Now Pastor Harker writes, My son Eric has provided us with a lovely little home right on the banks of Dora Creek, an ideal spot and only four miles from the School of the Prophets which I attended 49 years ago. Their many friends will pray that Pastor and Mrs Harker's health will benefit from relaxation among the scenes of nature and that the reward of their service will be happiness and peace. Their address is Post Office Dora Creek, New South Wales. By request, Pastor Harker has written for us the experiences which follow under his favourite title, Ebenezer, Hitherto Hath the Lord Helped Us. Harold then recounted some of his experiences since entering denominational employment in 1897. Several excerpts are recorded here. In my evangelical work I have preached the Advent message in tents, halls, public parks, on street corners, and have given lunch hour talks at iron foundries, boot factories and railway workshops. It is interesting to look through the names of the 20 different presidents under whom I have worked. During the same time I had assisting me 17 different young men, nine of whom hold credentials, five of them occupying responsible positions, and two are now deceased, while the remainder are engaged in ministerial or missionary activity. It is very gratifying to me to see their steadfastness and progress in the Lord's service. The association with all these men was most pleasant, and my prayers have followed them that we may all be kept faithful to the end, and when the commission is fulfilled, join our voices in welcoming back the Chief Shepherd. In my evangelical work, I have used the public press extensively. At one conference, while reporting in the large pavilion, I brought out the newspaper clippings of my reports all pasted together and they stretch right around the pavilion. How many people read these reports I do not know, but the inspired writer has declared, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. In one city where every sermon was reported in the press, I called upon the editor to ascertain how the circulation of the paper had been affected. He replied that the circulation had increased and gave me a written statement to use at any place as a recommendation to the local press. Now, as I look over the past, I can only say, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord.'"